All right, well tonight, not only is it our final Reckless, we're finishing Reckless for, the, for this uh, summer, or the school year, but it is also our uh, last week in our series that we've been doing called Remain. All right, and this whole series, maybe you've checked out, or you haven't been here, this is your first week back, or whatever. This whole series has really, in a nutshell, been about helping you guys, and all of us, understand the key to living a passionate life in Christ. All right, that's it. Bottom line, that's what it's about. Um, that a lot, and in such a way that it makes a difference in your life and in the lives of other people. Um, and I hope over the last, last few weeks as we've been in this series, I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. I hope that there's been some things that you've grabbed a hold of and said, man, I need to apply that to my life. I hope that this series has been something that's challenged you, that's encouraged you, that's kind of maybe opened your eyes to something you didn't fully understand before. Um, and so over the last three weeks, we've talked about the, kind of the first three key areas that we must remain in Christ in, all right? Um, now, I've got some prizes to give away. Who can name, three weeks ago, what was the first key that we talked about? This is for a bag of Twizzlers, so don't mess this up. His love, well done, well done. All right, then two weeks ago, we talked about the second key area we've got to remain in, all right? And I've got a forest wildlife CD to give away. You guys will cherish this a long time. Who can remember the second one? No, not you. You've got Twizzlers. Remaining is what? Power. Oh. I just stabbed you in the face. My fault. Alright, remaining is power was the second one. And then last week, Brad was up here and did some skits and some weird voices and talked about the third, the third area that he's got to remain in. It remain in God's feelings. That, no, close, but no. Remain in his truth, and you get gummy safari pals. You can thank me later. All right, so those were the first three areas we talked about. Remaining in God's love, remaining in God's power, and then remaining in, last week was remaining in God's truth. All right? And those are, those are areas that we've, if we're really to live the passionate life that God wants us to live, then we've got to remain in Christ in those areas. Um, now tonight we're going to talk about the fourth key area that we've got to remain in Christ in. And um, John chapter 15 is the verse that we've been kind of focused on over the course of the series. So if you guys have your Bibles, open to John chapter 15. Uh, it's in your notes. I'm sure some of you can quote it by now, which would be awesome. So John chapter 15, starting at verse 4, and here's what Jesus says. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, so that's the verse, the, the passage we've kind of been centered around uh, over the last few weeks. And as we, kind of, as we talk about the, the fourth key area tonight, I think this verse is, is pretty imperative and pretty key because I, I think in a lot of ways that, that what Jesus was trying to do in these couple of verses is instill something in the disciples that he knew they were going to need. We talked about the first week that this was the, Jesus said these words the night before he died, right? So he's going to go to the cross the next day. 
And so I have to think that Jesus, as he's speaking these words, knew that he's going to go to the cross the next day. And that when that happens, the disciples are going to be confused. They're going to be scared. But more than anything else, he had to have known that the disciples were going to be feeling hopeless. I mean, here were guys that left everything to follow Jesus, right? And their entire hope and their meaning and everything that they were doing, they were, they were about Jesus. Their hope was in Jesus. And so how much hope can you have in a guy that you just watched die a brutal death? And so I have to think that Jesus knew, you know what, in a, in a, matter, of, uh, in a matter of a few days and hours, these disciples are going to be feeling pretty hopeless at the moment. See, just as the disciples were about to feel the feelings of hopelessness, our world is, is in such a way that there are, there are people all throughout the world that feel utterly and completely hopeless. And, there, and I'm sure that, that there are probably people in this room tonight that feel, that walked in this room and sat in those seats and have just feel right now at this moment, just feel hopeless. I came across this article this week that told a couple of different stories about some teenagers and it just had a lot of application to, to where we were going tonight. It says, early one March morning, Heidi Chamberlain, 15, and her boyfriend, Christopher Mills, 16, decided life wasn't worth living. After a short hike down a rugged path on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean near LA, the teenage couple ducked through a, a hole in a chain link fence to get to a narrow concrete spillway known locally as the diving board. There before dawn, the couple jumped, falling 150 feet into the crashing surf below, and their bodies were found by a jogger at sunrise. Two months later, and just a few miles down the coast, 14-year-old Amber Hernandez and her 15-year-old friend Alicia Hayes also decided that they'd had enough. After tying their wrists together, the two teens walked to the edge of a cliff and jumped. Friends and family knew that Amber and Alicia had been using drugs, but they also said that the girls were making progress and seemed happy. After their suicidal leap, many of the girls' classmates gathered on the cliff to light candles, to play music, and to mourn their loss. One classmate offered this, this philosophy about life. He says, you know, life sucks so much as it is right now. A lot of teenagers don't know if it's going to get better or not. I guess suicide was their only way out. They feel like they can talk to people, but we don't feel like we can talk to our parents or anybody. The par our parents say they understand, but they don't. Now, I think that story, and the reason why I read that is because I mean, you talk about feelings of hopelessness. Where you get to a point in your life where you feel like nothing else, there's no point in living that you just feel completely and utterly hopeless, that you jump off a cliff to your death. And the reality is that there are, we're not here tonight to talk particularly about suicide, but the reality is, is every few seconds or every few minutes, there's some teenager, somebody in this country that is, that is committing suicide. That we, are, we live in a world that feels hopeless. You guys turn on the news and you read stories of just complete hopelessness. We feel hopeless in our school situation. We feel hopeless in relationships that we're in. We feel hopeless in our family situation or what our future looks like. 
We, fa- we even feel, dare I say it, that we feel hopeless at church. There are many of us that walk through life feeling like there is no purpose and no meaning and no reason to live. That we, for whatever reason, feel like there is no hope. I wonder if maybe one reason why we feel so hopeless is maybe we don't really fully understand what hope really is. See, here's a couple things that hope is not. We think about this word hope and what it actually means. Here's what hope isn't. Hope is not crossing your fingers and wishing that somehow things will get better. All right, that's not hope. Hope is not some casual optimism in something that may or may not happen. Hope is not even some escape from reality or escape from the problems and the situations that we face. That's not hope. See, hope is never a static or a passive thing. Hope is very active. Hope is dynamic. Hope is life-sustaining. If we have true, genuine hope, it is something that sustains us no matter what life may bring our way. Now, what I want to be able to do here at the front end is give you guys the main point, which is just what I feel like is, is a definition of hope and the hope we're, kind of, we're supposed to have. So if you guys have your pens ready, if you're ready to kind of jot this down, here's the definition I want to give you guys of hope tonight. Having hope means that we have confident trust in a promise from a trustworthy source. All right, you guys write that down. Having hope means that we have confident trust in a promise from a trustworthy source. All right, and we'll kind of dissect that in a few minutes. But you know what messes us up sometimes? You and I put hope in things all the time that we have no business hoping in. We put our hope and our trust and our confidence in things that are unworthy of that hope. And we do that all the time. And all that really does is leave us feeling more hopeless. Because we feel like, you know, whatever that thing is, I'm going to put all my hope and all my trust in this. And then it fails us. And then it just leaves us feeling more empty and more hopeless. Now, to be honest with you guys tonight, I know a lot about this. All right? Because the sports teams that I pick are the Mets and the Redskins. All right? Now, I believe... And I hope every year that my team is going to win a championship. All right? Even though the chances are very good that that will never happen. All right? You call it stupidity. You call it whatever you want to call it. But for, in a lot of reasons, every, or a lot of ways, every single, the beginning of every single season, I have hope. Call it false hope. Call it whatever. But I have hope. And then, you know, two weeks into the season or, you know, one game into the season or whatever, I realize, you know what? This isn't going to work. Right? I have hope in my sports teams that they're going to win a championship and that will never happen. All right? Now, you George Bulldog fans know a lot about that, don't you? Oh, zing. Um, But we do that, right? We put our hope in our sports teams. 
right? We put a lot of hope in things. Now, that's a ridiculous example, but we put a lot of hope, serious hope in things that we feel like are going to give us some kind of meaning, some kind of significance, that they're going to come through for us. We put hope in a relationship that we feel like will give us significance or solve our problems, right? That relationship with that guy or that girl or our friends or whatever. We put hope in a president or in a government that we feel like should provide for us, right? Or we put hope in our education that's going to give us some kind of status. We put our hope in money or popularity or possessions feeling like they're going to satisfy us. We may even put our hope in ourselves, feeling like we can do it ourselves, we can solve our problems, we can fix the issues that we come up against. We put a lot of hope and a lot of faith in ourselves that we can do this. See, the point is we put a lot of things, a lot of hope in things that at the end of the day are unworthy things. I mean, you name one person or one thing on the face of this planet that has not failed you, including yourself. It's impossible because there is nothing on this planet that was meant to provide hope for us. And then we can't get upset or get mad when it doesn't do what it was never created to do. See, the point is every single day we put a lot of hope, what we would call hope, in untrustworthy sources, in things that are not worthy of that hope. And it leaves us frustrated, it leaves us more, more hopeless, more empty, more, just more empty, more frustrated, more hopeless. Now, I love Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Here's what this says. We're going to go through a lot of verses tonight. So if you guys got your pen, you're going to have to write a lot of these down and look them up later. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Here's what it says. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But then he goes on. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees that are planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. See, I love the picture that this passage paints about the difference between what our lives look like when we hope in those things in this world and what our life looks like when we hope in God. And it's interesting how similar this passage looks to John 15 that we've been looking at over the course of this series. I mean, what the writer here is saying and what Jesus says is when we hope in other things, we feel empty. We feel, we experience nothing. We feel hopelessness. But when we hope in Christ, when we put our hope and our confidence and our trust in who God is, then we experience life and we produce fruit.
Should we talk about all of those things that we put our hope in, those untrustworthy sources? And I think this is why Jesus says these, these words in John 15. Because what he's trying to help the disciples understand and help us understand as well is that only Jesus has the keys to life and hope. You guys can spend your entire life putting, trying to find hope and significance and meaning in all of these things that the world has to offer. And it will mess your life up and it will leave you feeling more empty, more alone, and more hopeless. And I think what Jesus is almost screaming, at, at least to me, in these verses is, I am trustworthy. Put all of your hope and all of your confidence and all of your trust in me because I cannot and will not fail. It is impossible. And just as it's impossible for those things in this world to not fail you, it is impossible for me to fail you. It cannot be done. I cannot and will not fail you. And I want you to put all of your hope and all of your trust and your confidence in me because I am a trustworthy source. And the promises that I have for you will sustain you no matter what life may throw at you. I am worthy of your hope. But when we choose to go other directions, when we choose to find our hope and our significance in other things, then suddenly we stand around going, why do I feel so hopeless? Hebrews 10.23, the writer says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. I don't know anybody on the face of this planet that doesn't want to experience hope in their life. You get to a point where you feel hopeless and you jump off a bridge or you put a gun up to your head and you pull the trigger. Or you wander through life just feeling like, you know what, there's no meaning, there's no purpose in life. See, all of us, hope is a necessity for life, but especially for those of us that are going to live this Christian life. I mean, hope is something that we cannot live without. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, he says, these, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to, faith, hope, and love. See, why is it so important that we have hope? Why is it such a necessity for life that we have hope? See, I think one of the major reasons why is because life does not make sense sometimes. The world that we live in is sinful and it's chaotic and you and I are caught up in it. We're not exempt from it. We don't get a free pass. We're caught up in it. Just because we're followers of Jesus doesn't mean that somehow we get an escape from, from pain or from suffering or from problems in our life. We all live on this planet and this planet sucks sometimes. And we deal with situations and we deal with sin and it, life just stinks. That that's the reason why hope is so important. That's the reason why we've got to have it. And I wish that we, you know, it'd be easy for us just to go, hey, we're a follower of Jesus. We get a free pass. We're exempt from that. But you know what the reality is? is sometimes we need hope even more. Because of all that we're up against when it comes to living the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live. 
And what it means for our life when we choose to follow Jesus is there's going to be enemies, there's going to be people that are going to rise up against us. We need hope to sustain us and to give us the things that we need to make it through life. And if we don't have hope, we will never survive. Now, you want to know what this looks like. And what specifically, as, as followers of Jesus in the room tonight, what do we have hope in? What does this look like? I want to give you three specific things that you and I tonight in this room can have hope in. All right, and if this doesn't charge you, if this doesn't fill you with passion, then there is something wrong. All right, but these are three, three major things that we have hope in. Number one, who we are in Christ. We have hope in who we are in Christ. Before our relationship with Christ, before we gave our hearts to him, we were hopeless. All right, we were lost in our sin. And we were without life and without hope. If you guys are in the room tonight and you have never trusted, your, uh, trusted Christ with your life and given your life to him, you are hopeless. In your current state right now, you are hopeless. But when we trust Christ, when we give our hearts to him, we are hope-filled. That we now can live differently. We are changed. We are something different. That Jesus came to do what no, no one else or nothing else could do to free us from this, this crappy life of sin and to give us hope. Ephesians 1.18, Paul says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand this confident hope that he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Who are we in Christ? We are forgiven. God looks at us and he sees Jesus. He doesn't see all the imperfections, all of the junk, all of the mistakes that we make. When we belong to Christ, God looks at us and he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. That we are forgiven. Ephesians 1.18, that we are his glorious inheritance. We are God's children. That the cross of Christ gives us access to God. And that God now lives in us and lives and is with us everywhere we go. I mean, how incredible is that to know that that is who we are in Christ? We're no longer identified by that old life. We are now new in Christ. We are forgiven. And God looks at us and he sees Jesus. We are something significant, something incredible in Christ. We have hope in that. No matter what lies may be spread out, no matter what people may say, no matter what other people may think, who we are in Christ matters and it gives us hope. The second thing, and this gives me an incredible amount of hope, is that God isn't finished with us. God isn't finished. That the pain that we experience in life or the sin does not have power over us. There might be that area of weakness that, that kicks our butt from time to time or that wins a battle here and there. But at the end of the day, they don't hold the victory over us. And what an incredible thought to know that God will never stop his work in us until you and I look like Jesus. And Jesus loves you enough that he would forgive you, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. 
That every single day, God is making us and forming us and making us more like him. And he doesn't stop until we look like him. Ephesians, uh, excuse me, Philippians 1, 6. Paul says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And maybe for some of you guys, you sit in this chair and you think about that area of sin or that struggle that you face or you wonder why you're not here in your relationship with Jesus or you feel like, you know what, God's done with me. Man, have hope that God is not finished in your life. That God never stops working. He never stops making you more like his son. What an incredible thought that is. So we have hope in Christ. We have hope in who we are in Christ. We have hope that God isn't finished with us. And the third thing, we have hope in our future home. Here's the thing. We don't, you and I don't fear death. Or we shouldn't fear death. Put it that way. We don't fear what man can do to us. And we don't fear that this life is all there is. In fact, we don't find value in the things of earth. Because we know that all of these things are temporary. You think about these things that are temporary. Your pain and your problems in your life are temporary. The suffering that you go through. The heartache that you deal with. The possessions or money or whatever it is that this world has to offer for us and gives us every single day. All of those things are temporary. And yet our future home is eternal. An incredible thought to know that, man, when we get there, there's no more sin, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, and we will be with Jesus, and we will stare him face, and face to face, and we will be like him. And all of these trials that we go through, and all the suffering, and all these things that we have to deal with in this earthly body, one day will be all worth it because we will be like Christ. And that gives us hope to know that this isn't the end. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Paul says, And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But you know what, guys? If all we think about when it comes to our Christian walk and our life in Christ is what happens here on this planet, then Paul says we're to be pitied. Man, it's, it's important. And what, the way that you live every single day has immense value. But don't get so caught up in these temporary things that at the end of the day and the end of your life will not matter. But you focus on the things that you cannot see. You focus on the things that are eternal. You focus on what God wants to do in you and through you and know that one day you will spend an eternity with him. And you'll be able to look back at your life and go, you know what, I didn't waste all of my time and all of my energy on things that didn't matter. 
I put my hope in only, only in Christ and I live every single day with what really mattered the most. Here's my question for you guys as we end up tonight. And you guys will talk about this question in your small groups. What do you have hope in? What does hope look like in your life? Do you spend the majority of your life and your time focused on finding hope in insignificant things, in things that are unworthy? Do you buy into all of the things that the world tells you, man, this is important and this is valuable and this is worthy of your confidence and this is worthy of your hope? And do you spend all of your time and your energy focused on things that are unworthy of your hope? Do you live moment by moment? And yet the reality is, what do you hope in? What sustains you? What makes you get up every single day? I mean, is it really the hot girls at school? Like, is that really, that's your hope? Is it possessions? Is it money? Is it a great education? I mean, those things aren't bad. But do you really hope in those things? Because there will, be, there will come a day when you will snap your fingers or you will open your eyes and those things will not be there. And you'll spend all of your time and effort and energy finding hope in things that are insignificant. And you'll look back and you'll go, man, I wasted a bunch of days focused on things that ultimately didn't even matter. Do you hope in those things? Or do you hope in something more significant? Do you hope in something eternal? Do you hope in a God that will never leave you and never forsake you? Do you find your hope in a God who is passionately, madly in love with you? Who went to great lengths to prove his love for you? And who desperately wants to help you understand that he is worthy of your hope? That he is a trustworthy source. That his promises can be trusted. That you can put your confident trust in who he is. Because he cannot and will not fail. Jesus says, remain in me. Remain in my hope. You will experience the fullness of life. You will experience an incredible life. And you will bear much fruit. You find your hope in other things. You refuse to remain in my hope. And you will experience nothing. You will experience a life of hopelessness, a life of insignificance. And you will miss out on this incredible life that I have for you. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. My prayer for, for all of us in this room is that we find our hope in who God is. And that, that causes us to live differently every single day that we get up. Let's pray.